Hello and welcome to Equine Voices Podcast. My name is Ronnie, an intuitive equine communicator. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Good evening and welcome to Equine Voices. This is an interview with Pat Cleveland and Kathy Price. Pat has got her partner Frank with her, so I've told them they've got to be on their best behaviour. So it should be a fun interview. I'm just going to introduce them. I'm going to give you a little quick introduction because this is my third interview, but the first time with both of them. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to bring them both in and hopefully everything's going to go smoothly. Welcome. Pat and Kathy. So, Kathy, shall I let you go first? Just do a little brief introduction on your work. Thank you very much, and thank you for having us and organising this, Ronnie, because it's such fun. My name's Kathy Price, and uh, my work is called Point of Balance. Uh, it's a modality that's purely energetic, and the way I see it working is it conditions the field. So it helps whoever or whatever I'm working with, whether it's a person, a horse, a dog, cat, whatever, it helps them find their way back to balance, which where balance equates to health. I believe that every system innately wants to move back to balance, but things get in the way. And so when I work, I don't need to know anything about what's wrong with the system. In fact, I prefer not to because I'm making it easy for them to find what they need to move back into balance. I can't make it happen but I'm a facilitator and that's the the way I work. I work in person and at distance. And obviously the last 18 months, it's been all distance for obvious reasons. (laughs) But yeah, so that's, that's me and I'm point of balance. Thank you very much, Kathy. That was great. So Pat, would you like to do a little introduction? Okay. Well, I'm Pat Cleveland. This is my husband, Frank Frazier. And we are both horse people. We're both very energetic and intuitive. We work in the physical realm of riding and training horses. And along the way, horses began to open up a a line of conversation that started to bring out information that's not available in books or videotapes from teachers and schools. We applied that information (laughs) and before we know it, we came up with a new approach to human interspecies interactions based on body symmetry and how that solves problems that people are experiencing in their animal relationships. So Frank is my partner. <laughs> we came up with patterns in of trauma that can be found in all living form. And we use the universal power. It's not about us doing the work. It's actually we facilitate the regeneration, restoration, or rebirthing of the physical form to its genetic potential of body symmetry. When we work with horses and this occurs, we get a brand new horse with a brand new attitude who helps to expand the connection between us and the holistic nature of our origin. So we have a business called the Balance Horse Project, and we work here at our farm with uh, animals that come in, as well as do long-distance consultation and training sessions. That was brilliant. So why don't we start and say how this all started? How are we here tonight? Why are we here tonight? I think, Ronnie, you're the facilitator of that one. You got in touch with me first. And I th- was that before you'd been in touch with Pat? 
No, I got in touch with Pat. She popped up on Facebook, Balance Horse Project, and I had a little look. And then I thought, I wonder if she wants to do an interview. I messaged her. And to my surprise, it was literally, was it the same day? I think that she messaged back to say, I've been asking the universe for somebody to interview me. And literally, I got the old message. So the answer is yes. I was like, yeah. (laughs) So that was our first introduction. Do you want to take over, Pat? (laughs) And say, why did you want to be interviewed? What was it that you needed to get out there? Okay, I had two primary requests. First was to have a bigger, stronger, clearer voice into the mainstream world because I work in the horse world and they're very wonderful people but what my gifts are are energetic empathic intuitive and reach beyond the common experience of the horse owner and I was looking for a way to get information about what we have unraveled and its potentials out to the public I mean it's just sitting here quietly working away on a little farm in Dothan, Alabama. And, and it's kind of like the best kept secret. You just, <laughs> you know, like a pot and, and, and it's going to blow the lid off the top of the pot. Well, that's about where I'm at, you know, like, could we please reach forward? <laughs> and then the other request I had was to meet people who are like-minded, like-minded to find my tribe so that <laughs> the conversation I want to express is not suppressed by the fear of maybe breaking somebody's concept of understanding or pushing people away. You mean hurting their feelings. And so I just wanted to have the freedom to have a voice and to express the nonverbal experiences that animals have brought into our life and the information that comes with that conversation and how it could reach out and be a huge benefit to anybody else who's looking for answers and can't find them. So then you showed up. So be careful what you ask for because sometimes you get these gifts and then you meet another group of people, which I, right after meeting Ronnie, I had another experience and I'm just like, I'm not holy jumping. It really happened. I'm not ready for this. (laughs) And then in layers and layers and layers. And then I guess Kathy heard the interview with you and ran across a couple of other people. And there was this common topic of conversation. We had a two and a half hour conversation. So then we get to how I met Kathy. Again, we explained this in the previous interview with Kathy. Because I also run a intuitive development evening online and again that's something else I've been pushed into it's not something that was in my radar it's not something that I was really thinking about doing but a good friend said you know you should be doing this and I was like but that's not my passion you know it's not that's not me she says no you've got to diversify there's more things that you should be doing not just this so I thought, oh, okay, so I put it out there and then I got a group of people that I sort of knew anyway and we've carried on. We meet every week or every other week and we just do meditations and, and see what comes through. But we've stuck together and it's like a, a little online family. And then I've got another group, which is only a small group. So this is all new. 
And because I'd already started doing live videos on a closed group, and it's really talking about your feelings and just talking about anything and, and being honest with your emotions. And I found I actually quite liked it. I quite liked the person that I saw. And that sounds really silly. And I'm not saying this vainly or egotistical. But when I saw her speak from the heart, I saw another person, a confident person. And I thought, I like her. And that sounds really bizarre, to, maybe to some people. Um, but it's like, look, listening to another person. It's not like the old me. Now, it is me, obviously, but it's like, where does she come from? Where's she been hiding all these years? Um, I try to do it by recording, but you can be very critical and you can delete it and start again. And you're always you're always looking for perfection. And that's not what this is about. When I do animal communication, whatever comes, I talk as it comes. And that's important. So the same with these interviews. It's I don't want it to be staged. I don't want it to be, you know, obviously we have a bit of a, agenda which I could take off because we don't stick to it but hey ho <laughs> um so yes basically I, I started doing this um and then one of the ladies posted something on the intuitive group and she got a picture of something on her on her spectacles and it was tiny tiny droplets and it was five o'clock in the morning when I looked at it and I was like okay I'll, I'll look at that in the morning and when I looked, and when I looked properly, when I woke up, it was five dots in a row in perfect line. And when you zoomed into the photograph, it was like the yin and yang symbol. So I said, "Oh, it probably means balance." You know, we're getting into balance, or and it because you saw it, it's really to do with you. Um, but then later, I was looking at Kathy's site. It popped up, and I thought, oh, I just see what the reviews are and when I put the review page on there was five symbols of yin and yang that was on my screen at the time and I thought wow that's the synchronicity you don't ignore so I literally emailed Kathy to say you don't know me I'd like to know a little bit more about what you do I think I said I've got something to tell you but I don't know what it is <laughs> something like that and uh, so that was that bit Kathy you can take over <laughs> From yours, yeah, uh, well, I received this lovely email saying, which I think there was a line in it that sort of said, I'm emailing you, but I'm not quite sure why. And I love emails like that because it's like you said, it's the intuition, the following the feel that you do, you do that. And then we got in contact, we had an amazing chat and you straight away brought a message from Teasel, you know, just yeah. as we were chatting. And what was interesting for me is, my mare Teasel, over the years that I've had her, I've had her six years, within three months of having her, I was sitting, writing, automatic writing when I sat with her. She was just giving me information like time is a human construct and we can change this and we can do that. I mean, I didn't know what I was writing at the time. And then when you gave me that message from Teasel, it was the same way of speaking that she's spoken to me before. And again, I think we've said this before, am I getting information from there is she bringing it through I'm not sure but it, the style was so similar to pages and pages that I've written that I was so entranced by that and that was wonderful and then you know I said can I do a session with Toots and we went on from there because mm. you know she found it helpful. Toots was diagnosed with shivers and last winter she had a little bit of mud fever which cleared up but she was struggling she couldn't turn in one direction 
And her normal action is when she lifts her leg up, it's a quick jugger, and then that's it. That's what she's always done for quite a few years. But the farrier was struggling to lift her leg up. Bless and she was so good with her. So I said, I'm going to do clicker with her and just focus her mind. And she was starting to do it intermittently. She was still struggling, but she was focusing what was being asked of her. And then I think it was it was a few days later, she was still struggling. So Kathy kindly offered to do a treatment, a session, session. sorry. Yes, yeah. session. <laughs> and it was so funny because she says, I'll do it at, at two o'clock. So I went down to Toots, sat outside and Toots came down and she sort of dozed off a bit and licking and chewing and then she walked off and then Kathy texts me says right I'm about to start so I burst out laughing saying well Toots knew you were starting half an hour ago because she's already walked off so she was already where I think that was a Friday and the next day when I went down I was doing her her legs and I thought I'm sure this is easier I wasn't looking Um, for things that weren't there I thought I'm sure there's improvement and then I think it was three days later and I went to do her legs and she literally lifted her leg up and there was no shiver, no judder. And she was comfortable for me to hold her leg. I thought, she's never done that in all the time I've had her since she's got progressively worse. That's not happened. And she doesn't stand square. She stands with her feet sort of underneath her slightly. Mm. Uh, but she almost had a scissor action. She was getting further and further apart because that was more comfortable. I said, too, it's like knowledge what you've just done. And when I went down later, I did it again, cleaned her feet out, no spasm, no high lift. And and I thought, okay, I noticed that again too, it's well done. Holy Moses. I've never had that result. I have had lots of results in different areas, but the shiver part, the, the spasm was always something that would still be there. Um. So I text Kathy and I sent some photos. Mm-hmm. Then she was stood in a stable in a shelter because she's out 24-7. She has a shelter. And she was stood vertical at the back. And I was like, she's vertical. She's got both feet together. So I was amazed. And then when the farrier comes, she said, oh, how is she? I says, you tell me and I'll tell you afterwards. Mm-hmm. And she said, she's really a, a lot, lot better. And I could do a feed. I says, yes. Yeah. So then I told her what had happened. She was like, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, that was like, wow. But then I forgot to say to Toots, I was so excited that I was looking for more improvements each day. I thought, do you know what? That's the best she's ever been as far as that. There was other stuff that was adjusting, but the shiver was the biggest dramatic change for me. And then I stopped acknowledging and saying, I can see a difference. I think it was a few weeks later, I thought, oh, I can see signs again. And I thought, oh, don't do that. Don't start to look for things. Just I'm aware that when the body changes, you can't do it all in one go. So where am I today? There is a slight spasm, but she's not where she was before Kathy did some work with her by any means but even the tiniest improvement I'm acknowledging it because she's looking for me now one day I went in the shelter and she was starting to stand a bit different again and I thought oh crikey stop doing that so I said to Toots Toots I know you felt what it's like for your body to change and you felt it and you um, recognized it I said you can do that again because you've done it once you can do it again but it's your choice and she turned around and looked at me and she put her legs together. 
Then I walked out. I said, thank you. I still have lots of questions and it's still an ongoing thing. As long as you're manifesting good things, good things were happening. But when you listen to the gin in your ear, and a doubt. little doubt, a little bit of doubt caused, yeah. caused you to question. And it's not, oh, I just want to confirm it. It's no doubt in Kathy's capability or no, anybody's no. capability. I'm well aware it's my own doubts and my own energy that adds. We are the only species that can talk ourselves. We are so intellectual that we talk ourselves out of good things. <laughs> yes, That's how smart we are. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, another observation in the statement that you refer back to muscle memory pulling us back into trauma and that things move incrementally and that it can't be resolved all at once. I would come back with a question to you. Why? Um, we work together. We shift whole bodies as one unit. And when you solve the core physical block so that the energy can flow through the vessel in its most efficient way, then there's no muscle memory because there's no trauma left to create the memory. Except for the owner's own. I believe in my, my world, whatever's going on with me, she's very good at reflecting it back and telling me to sort myself out. And I've learned through the years, if I don't, it reflects in her. Yes, she, yeah, they're our mirror. They mirror us. Yeah. I got a field full of mirrors right now. <laughs> we were discussing that this morning. We're sitting here having coffee, looking out, and all of a sudden went, hey, you know what? Yeah, It's just absolutely fantastic to have a field full of horses. Yeah, that we do nothing with, but they're just enjoying their lives. They're a bunch of older horses anyway now. And uh, she goes, yeah, it is, isn't it? We're just happy to have horses. And I went, yeah, because if we did, we'd be killing each other. (laughs) So so I think Kathy has a similar philosophy about not being the healer, but just being like a magnet that kind of focuses where the energy should be flowed towards or opening up the channel between the human or the horse with the higher, higher resource situation that we have available. And I think it's really powerful because people, we are in a different dimension. Here we go down Pat's rabbit hole, but we're in a different way of, of understanding information. And we intersect with energy on a completely different angle. So if you think of a back tracing of a horse almost looks like a sound wave and we're standing vertical in that energy flow of the horse. So how we project our intention, what our ego is saying, what our own personal states of imbalance really are when it goes through that wave of energy that's horizontal intersects with us takes our information and and reflects it or mirrors it onto the animal or the people around us or Mm -hmm. the environment or the um, experiences that we're going to attract to ourselves. Well, that's like when people talk to plants, the people that that talk to plants, the plants grow. It's the same thing with the horses and people. I mean, if you, if you, that spiritual bond with them, if your intent is good, 
Yeah. It, it will happen. Mm. It's we not have, good. It but you don't, you don't have to know what the problem is. You yeah. just have to hold the intention yeah. of being shown and maybe pull in the intention of whatever is needed to resolve the problem. And it doesn't have to be a physical action. Okay, but you can pull in that potential energy, that potential solution for that animal or individual. That's powerful. If you worry constantly every day about something bad, you're, you're going to manifest that to show up at your front door. That, yeah. that will show yeah, I'm just nodding my head because, you know, everything Pat was saying there, that we have such similarity in the way that we work because my principles are change can happen faster than the speed of light. And you only need one session. That's the way I work. So as you said, I don't say a treatment because I don't know what's wrong or what, you know, what has caused any imbalance in the system at all. It could be emotional. It could be physical. It could be spiritual. It could be all three. And I know nothing. The system knows everything. So that's my sort of philosophy is that I, I say to everybody, you only need one session from my perspective. If you choose to come back to me, and this has been something that's happened recently where people have seen big change, and then they've said, but I just feel it's time for something else. I was working you know, with um, a lady in Australia, and the other one was a horse. So it was, I think it's time, there's another layer. And that's absolutely fine. But my whole ethos is, poof, done. Yeah, and in fact, the sort of the length of the session is more indicative of the human condition. It was interesting what you were saying and you, Pat, about why can't a system change at once? You know, you were saying the muscle memory and everything, which I totally get. But we've been taught, oh, healing's hard. It's really hard to get better. Oh, you can get this bit better. Oh, oh, you know, it's always been made to be the suffering side of it, which not belittling anything anybody goes through but it's a mindset as well what you were saying frank you know if you step into that oh life is so blooming hard Mm. hallelujah guess what it's going to be and for me the the system knows what it needs and stuff gets in the way it's the perception it's the experience it's the patterns you know with humans and horses if they've been you know treated in a certain way that's what they expect and it can be a blockage but the answer is there and so with pat saying exactly the same sort of thing it's reminding the system of where that balance is it's getting so spooky with me uh, so many times now that i know that i've only got to set the intention and stuff happens but in some ways and sometimes i don't even have to be there at all and so I knew that that session was at two o'clock. I'd booked it in at two o'clock, but somewhere mm. along the line, I'd gone to half past two. But my intention was two o'clock with toots. And she said, yeah, thank you. Then my human side went, oh, it's half past two. And that's what happens. And I've had it happen before exactly the same way. And I recently put a video up of all the horses joining in. My intention was on one horse. And basically, I'd walked down the track. I'd seen this horse. I knew I wanted to give him a session. His owner had said, you better do it sooner rather than later because he's not in a good place. I then went back to the car. I said, right, I'll do him today. Went back to the car, came back. The horse was already in the space. I hadn't sort of gone, right, now we're going to start work. That horse was there. My intention was there. The horse was there. And then four other horses joined in. And it's magical. Absolutely magical. So the they, they of the human 
runs ahead of the conscious act of the human. This is a scientifically mm-hmm. proven fact. Mm-hmm. So that the intention that uh, you... Are you bringing science into this again? The subconscious runs ahead of the, the timeline that we're in, the future. And I also have found that animals themselves... And so the perception that we set on ourselves as time is irrelevant because it's the projection, the intention that you had originally is already in the horse's timeline. The picture that the horse has of what they were, are capable of receiving is already overlaid in their present consciousness. Now this gets really for some people, but when I work, I fold the past trauma, ask for the future and I'm, I merge it into the present timeline, the energy stream of the horse. And I see those layers, but the horse doesn't experience those layers until I introduce a concept to them. Because they don't see a future. They don't see a future. They have muscle memory, the significant triggers of pain, which they relate to past behavior patterns. But they don't really hold... The concept of time, it's just everything is present. So when we mm-hmm. set a time for the animal, it's irrelevant. It's the intention that supersedes the concept of time mm-hmm. because time doesn't exist. Which is what we're taught more and more. Yeah. More. We're kind of taught a lot of things. But we don't always do it. <laughs> And it's like, I keep wondering, I, I, I mentioned it in my conversation um, with Kathy, like if we're vertical consciousness, if we're highly intellectual beings on a vertical scale and we're functioning as aliens in a horizontal energy stream and everything else is in a horizontal energy stream, why were we created? Why are we here? And why does everything hold the genetic memory of being symmetrical? Why is it that animals cannot solve their own problems? But when you have a human, whether it's a physical intervention, energy medicine, or an empathic intuitive intervention. Or just being present. Okay, or we just have that presence. We're the key to eliminating pain and suffering. And we are taught to expect the pain and suffering instead of moving into the position of preventing it so that there is no need for pain and suffering. And that's the position that I work from as a horse trainer. I would rather take my skill sets and teach it to people who are like-minded and start to unwind the mysteries of the horse, which we've documented why we have pain and suffering in horses. Well, if we reverse that pattern... Do we have horses that go through pain and suffering in performance or in their lives? And is that pain and suffering passed on to the next generation of horses? That's the conversation I would love to bring in to horse training. People want what I do to fix damaged horses, and I can respect that. But my position has taken me from that into can we shift how we interact at the very beginning to be preventative. But to do- the problem is, is that people want her to fix a horse and then they go back and repeat the same they don't want to thing change. again so you mm-hmm. fix the horse. It's just over and, and over. over. And it's a different system. 
because we're talking about energy intention and how that energy is conducted or carried through the physical form in the systems that we work with in an everyday life is biology and chemistry. And it has no connection, number one, to energy. And number two, it's in a system that has <coughs> dissected everything into a special conversation with a special function and language. And what we're doing is we're progressively unplugging the life force of every living life form <laughs> out of a holistic, energetic, and conscious system that actually supports our lives, whether we choose to or not to no. accept it. We're here well, for a reason. I'm, it's I'm a listening, but my, my brain. You know, the experiences that we've had with horses, before I ever started trying to document them, were off the wall. And they didn't make sense. And you couldn't really speak. We got people that come here and they can't believe how we just walk up and talk to our horses just like we're talking to a kid. Just, you know, really, you're going to do that? And the horse just stand and look at you and just all of a sudden go like, oh. You say, really, you need to just walk on down the aisleway, go get your stall and behave. And you see the horse just walk down the hallway, go get the stall. And everybody goes, how the hell are they doing that? And I go, just talk to them like you talk to anybody. Yeah, they know. So tell me where you and Kathy are now, because Kathy, you, right there. you contacted Pat <laughs> and then with a, with a long conversation, which <laughs> I'd, I'd love to be been a fly in the wall. So tell me what's come from that and Teasel. Well, it was exactly as you said, Pat, when I heard your first conversation with Ronnie, it was like, hallelujah, another tribe member. I hear you. And I just had to get in touch because there were so many synchronicities, so many commonalities with the way you were speaking. And when you were describing how the energetic formation of laminitis, it was like, oh, my God, (laughs) I've got to talk to this lady. So that's what we did for two and a half hours. Yes. So my mare, Teasel, she's very interesting. She's a Spanish mare, a pre-mare. I've had her six years and she came straight from the breeder to me. So she had been very lightly started, but there was no other sort of major intervention and she hadn't been trained or anything like that. And looking back now, I realise that her structure has been compromised right from the start. When I start looking at photos with a different eye, I can see. So she basically is elephant on a ball stance with all four legs together. She's 10 now. She's been croup high all of her life, which I know they say some Iberians can be that way, but you do wonder what the cause is now. But anyway, at the beginning of this year, I just got this insight. She was like telling me we were going to find the answer. And 11 days later, a a trimmer came, changed her feet slightly. For the first time in her life, she was level. I've actually got photos of her spirit level on her because she literally within a week had changed shape. And I knew that that was a, a first part. It wasn't the, the everything, but it was the first part. And then she's at a rehab centre now, the reason being that I've got a track here, but she was standing still too much. She needed more movement. So she's gone down to this amazing rehab where they've got two miles of track and she's got a Spanish boyfriend, which has made her very, very happy, very happy. Those two are always hanging out. And there's the lady who's knows the herbs, knows everything inside out, which is brilliant. But there's still something there. And so when Pat and I were talking, it was like, Pat, 
please, Pat, <laughs> could you work with my horse back, please? <laughs> and so we're just on the next stage of that, that I've asked Pat to take Teasel and I on as a client. And I've just sent her photos today, the ones she needed to see. You know, this is the ground zero at the moment to see where she goes from here and what we see. So, yeah, we had an amazing conversation. I mean, I can't think what subject we didn't actually cover, but we have got a transcript. Yes. She froze again. She froze. Uh, um, We're not quite sure where it's going to lead us, are we, Pat? (laughs) Oh, I have have already set the pictures. She knows where she's going. And so Teasel came to you from a breeder. So there was really no serious physical insult to her as in this time. And she is like all horses and like all people, she's carrying inherited trauma. Yeah. Now you go, what is inherited trauma? There was a, a study done in the 1960s. I think it ended in the 1980s. Maybe it was 1950 to 1980 with the chiropractors and they looked at women and confirmation and posture in people. Say I fell down a flight of stairs and twisted my back and then I went out as a mother and, and had children. Well, my injury posture is transferred, imprinted physically onto the offspring. Mm. So there's a difference between genetic information and the imprinting of trauma. And that took me to birth trauma. They realized that from the mother, the mother's posture of injury is imprinted on the offspring. And that is then imprinted further on the next generation. So now if you have somebody that goes out and plays football and he's paired with his wife and his hips are twisted and his back is not straight, that is going to influence the birth canal of the mother. So now we have layers of trauma from life experiences. It gets more interesting because in the horse world, we do interventions. When we train a horse and he can't turn to the left, well, you know, we put pulleys and rigs on and work, you know, we put shoes and and, and we inject hawks, et cetera, et cetera. And we try to make it so the horse can do the work, but we're not really looking at the inability to do work as the symptom of a pre-existing state of trauma, which is imprinted at birth. And until we get our thinkers on and realize that we need to go back to the point of the first injury in the horse's body and reverse that pattern of inherited trauma, we are just layering and layering and layering information, trauma information onto the structure of horses, into the genetic memory of horses. It does not change the genetics but it's in the process of how that horse is going to develop. It is definitely passed from mother to her offspring. So Freud was right. Everybody blames their mother at some point in time for something. (laughs) (laughs) So in Teasel's case, she's all locked up because in the Baroque and Spanish schools a long time ago, it was 
caging the front end and asking the horse to sit down. But maybe her ancestors at some time were war horses and went through trauma. And then they, you know, you breed an injured horse, right? So they bred injured horses and they produced consistently at this point in modern times, we have the majority of horses that are on a downhill slope, downhill horses. So the butt's high and the shoulders are pulled underneath and the hindquarters stick out behind the horse. The neck's tucked in. And they'll lift the head up or they'll slope the head down depending on the horse. And that's describing primary training postures that we're struggling with. And if we could go back and look at the inherited quality of confirmation posture and forget the genetics, like, oh, you know, I bred to this champion, this champion, forget that part, that, that's there and I can't alter that. But what I can do is open up the electrical circuits that the energy the life force that moves through that horse's body can actually move through in a quick, efficient, and straight line versus <laughs> wobbling from left to right, and it's all lopsided. you got one high foot and one low foot, and the barrel is off-centered, so it sways one way. you got one high shoulder and one puffy shoulder, and the hip is crooked. So it all goes back to what we are doing with our interventions because we're now compounding natural inherited trauma with manufactured inherited trauma. And even if we just forget all of it and just go back to the primary injury of the horse's body, everything spontaneously, as Kathy says, at the speed of light or the speed of sound, it all self-corrects. That's where, that's where the magic is. That's this is. It's so interesting what you were saying, Pat, because I think I told you, and maybe you as well, Ronnie, that when Teasel first came to me and a wonderful cranial sacral osteopath who also did healing, had also done shamanics, came to work with her, Teasel would not let her touch her to begin with. She's absolutely squealed. And Kat went, okay, there's something going on here. And she sort of communicated with her. And she said, basically, part of Teasel's path is about resolving the trauma of the Spanish horses. So what you said was so absolutely on it because she said, I can see broken bodies beneath, you know, the horses after in war and the bullfights and the Spanish horses were always the ones, you know, that the princes rode and rode into battle and things like that, apart from the training side of it. And so... That is part of her path. And I know another Spanish horse, again, she's brought forward this as well. So what you're saying makes so much sense in that her body is completely twisted up because of all that trauma. And it's the resolving of that trauma in her body which will help resolve the ancestral trauma. When we breed horses for specific traits, and this is not to insult anybody who breeds horses, but when you get a horse with a specific trait and it excels at a certain type of sport or a certain type of work description, we, we layer breeding-like type mm. horses together to create a breed. Now, the question is, is body symmetry a standard feature in genetics? And does it supersede breeding-like typed horses together, which are actually horses with a similar type of 
life or inherited injury. So which one supersedes the other? That's where I'm at with my questioning now. So I can take a, a standard bred pacing horse and influence the mare and she will produce a pretty amazing offspring and that horse will start into uh, developmental work with a trainer. I will go back and reinforce the release of that natural energy and the horse doubles his muscle mass in 120 days and goes through his training process about six weeks ahead of his direct siblings. We've done this several times. So we keep layering the release of that imprinted or inherited trauma. And we start to produce and upgrade the quality of horse, the quality of life for the horse. And they interact as if they are equally intellectual. This is a problem for a lot of people. They react equally intellect and consciousness, sentient as you or I. I can have a conversation either with word or without word with a horse. And horses here will come in from the field with just like maybe halter broke. And what did we do? We sent one to Kathy and she wrote it in the round pen, like just halter green, went to the round pen, string halter. Kathy wrote her walk top Canada this first day, right? First day. And the thing is, this is a horse that when we would do stuff with other horses when she was a filly and she would stand in the barnyard while we were doing stuff with her mother oh, and you put a halter on or put a bridle on she would I was do like I this packing she just, up another horse yeah she would walk between me and trooper and I'd be straightening out the bridle to introduce it to trooper and she's putting her head in it so she got to the point where it was like you throw blankets on the whole bit but that was because she was she was a correct horse <laughs> she was taken out of her birth trauma, the whole bit, and she was just always worked with along those lines. And it made just training just so much easier. We had the same thing with horses that have been, how do I put it, that, that we didn't do the breeding with, but that we had show up at our place. We've done round pen work with them. And we take one of our horses in and do round pen, and the other horses are just standing on the outside watching. like They're grazing like they're not even paying attention. Next thing you know, you take the one out, you leave the gate open from the round pen and go and walk the horse in and put him in the stall. When you turn around to go out, one of them's left out of the group and is standing in there like, okay, my turn. My turn, my turn. It's kind of like, let, let, it's my turn to be special and important. And then when you shut the gate, it's like, okay. And then you start doing the thing. All of a sudden, they picked up on what the other ones do. And they're over there grazing. They're like a bunch of people on the street, Yeah. Oh, no, we're not really paying attention to what you're doing, but they're keeping an eye on you the whole time. Yeah. So we've experienced as we rebirth the horse, it restores the balance of the horse. And so they're equally flexible and they have no memory of pain because there's no trigger points. I, I studied chiropractics and massage and a whole bunch of certifications and and I walked away because as a horse trainer, need a permanent solution. So when we have these horses straight, there's no reflexes. In chiropractics, they tell me, oh, well, the lumbar needs to have this reflex and you need to have a gluteal rump reflex and 
go underneath the horse's girth line and you can lift up the withers, okay, because of the reflex. Well, in our horses, there's no reflex because there's no pain. So when you start to ride these horses, they train up from zero to going over fences in 12 to 14 days. And the the other thing is, you guys all know this as well, and I'll, Dogs, cats, they do have a memory of the past, but they choose to live in the present. So when they've got no pain, they're living exactly in the present. So that's yeah. that's the easiest thing in the world. And that's kind of what our, our program is about, is how can we shift the focus in our interaction and in the development of animals, whether it's a dog, a horse, cow, a, a goat. We've done this with goats. <laughs> You know, it's just not like we're having this experience with our horses. We're having it with everything. It blows me away. But when, when everything's out of pain, everything, you're, well, Ronnie knows from the last time and all, I'm the guy that goes, hey, the cost is cheaper. We're happy. I mean, like, as long as, if you can keep something out of pain, you're all around general life is better for yourself emotionally, but also is is you're not stressing about how much money you got to fork out to get this person in to take care of this problem. If you're going to manifest that intent, Mm -hmm. you can, you just make everybody's life generally all around good. If I can just manifest some hair, it'd be great. <laughs> trust, trust okay, me, he, he, I've been my mind. No, listen, I've been manifesting it, and it's not growing right here and right there. You have to be more specific, Frank. Trust me, when you get specific, it it, it really backfires. It goes, okay, there you go. Yeah, you know <laughs> the way I think about energy and the way Kathy works with energy or or is perceiving it, we're on parallel conversations. There's more people out there that are looking at this holistic physical energy intention bridge and that we're actually working to a common goal. It's all taking us to the same place. And I think that is something that needs to be validated more and to give words to people and to also stand up and say, okay, well, I don't care what other people think because this is my reality. I've been doing this reality now for 40 years and documenting it for 20. And if I can do this, so can other people. And if people are already starting and, you know, they have no place to go, who do you talk to about your wild experiences with nature? You do it on the internet. Like we are. So so things like this where we can it's get together real. is helpful. It to must people. be true if it's on the internet. <laughs> Oh. If it wasn't for this, I certainly wouldn't have met Pat. So yeah. as as much as it gets slated, you know, it's serving a purpose. And it's, it's, it's um, how you use it. My vision is that we we get to a place where, for me, connection is massive because everything is connected. It's through the field. <laughs> everything is connected. We are made up of space, you know, of nothingness and energy, and that's it. And that's the reality that the quantum physics says and who knows whether other stuff will be found I don't know but for me it's about understanding the connection out and the connection in I've been sort of fascinated by aboriginal peoples 
because they are the ones that have got this connection. And if you look at their cultures, they're the peaceful ones because they're connected. They understand their balance with everything, that word again. And I feel that we need, as a, a Western society, to reconnect, to find our way back to that connection. But they're not chuck away everything that we've discovered you know like you were saying about the internet it's not a case of oh everything modern is bad people think oh we've got to go back to living sort of in in mud huts and whatever no I think a balance can be found where we can live and uh, a connected life where we're in balance but we use the stuff that we've learned because everything is for a reason it's how you use it that is the the difference Pat knows I always say it, everybody comes into your life, even if you meet somebody for five minutes, whatever the conversation was that you had with them for that five minutes, everybody comes into your life to teach you something. Mm-hmm. You learn something, you gain knowledge from everybody. If it's from a waitress at a restaurant, even a kid, kids have the greatest oh, knowledge in the world. Okay. I mean, they tell you things that you like, okay. But I thoroughly believe that everybody has a piece of knowledge that when we all interact, you will find that little grain that is a little bit more into you. Everybody fills up with a little bit more knowledge from everybody. And, and that's key. That's key to actually being damn human for a change. So number one, I don't make claim to having a tribe, but I am recognized within the shamanic community. And within shamanism, there is really no new science. We are complete and we hold the wisdom of everything that's already happened on this planet. And we are in an artificial simulation that in shamanism, you walk two paths in life. And our goal is to put the two paths together so that we have balance. So here's a question. What if the science that we ignore, we call it magic, we call it myth, we call it snake oil, fantasy, fairy tales. What if within those storylines, within that oral tradition, that it is the description of the very mechanisms that support the history of the human race. And what if we already have a pre-existing knowledge of science, but not this science? In science, in Latin, the root form for science is skio. Skio breaks down into dissection, the cutting apart to put into mm-hmm. pieces. And that's exactly what our science does. It takes the holistic history of mythology or within nature, and it breaks it down and it disconnects it. So if you go back to the traditional way of thinking, whether it's the traditions that you find in religious text or in oral traditions of original people, they're always putting us back inside ourselves to show us that there's a spark of life, a star seed, a brilliance. And within that brilliance, that is the escape route from this simulation that is teaching people that we must survive in a state of pain and suffering. 
So for me, there have been existences of different dimensions, if you want to put it this way, or different timelines of technology. There's so much evidence on this planet that our ancestors understood the magic of the magnetic fields, the telluric fields, or how the body worked. They were doing massage and acupuncture. They had the human body mapped out the very beginning of the Chinese empire. How does that happen? You sit back and you start to look at the history. And yes, we can reproduce some of it, but we can't reproduce all of it. So within the ancient or traditional or original people's storyline, human genetics is the history book. And the science of magic of this place. So I think that's the difference between people who are looking at science. Now you can go into quantum physics and new physics and you can say, oh yes, this is explaining spiritualism. But you are trying to break new ground without understanding your history. And that's where you go back into shamanism or into your original writings of different teaching books, and you find yourself. And that's why I think we are amazing creatures. We were created uniquely. And we have amazing abilities that our animals really are hoping we wake up and start to use. I think you speak a lot of sense there, Pat, because the as you were talking about the new science So many of the terms and the way they're looking at it are reflected from ancient text. You know, you want to find the answer, look within. And it's the same, they're saying, you know, the holographic universe or whatever you want to call it, or whatever you want to look at. I so agree that the scientific, no, the discoveries they've made where they cannot explain how certain things have been done thousands of years ago. There was an experiment done over here to try and get the blue stones from Priscelli, which is just south of me here, over to Stonehenge. They sunk. I mean, with all the technology that they've got now, they try to recreate it in a way. They try to think of the way that it, it was actually done. And the first experiment they did, they got to the Bristol Channel and sunk. The second one, they did a much better job. And they were trying to work out, you know, the pulley system and the uh, the rollers and what manpower they had. I don't know. But on our farm here, we've got a four and a half thousand year old circle. It's not a stone circle. It's a crop mark, basically. And it blows my brain because it's 40 meters wide. And in the middle, there would have been a hill which they would have made with the, the burial chamber underneath. And the man hours... And the the energy that was expended to build these. And we're finding out they were all around this place, not only in this valley, but close by. And it's just that the energy they spent to do this. And interestingly, I had somebody call round. He did sort of walk round it and he was marking places out. And he'd worked out the ley line that was running straight through the middle of the actual circle and the, the burial mound. They knew so much. And they did so much. I I absolutely agree with you. You know, I can understand what you're saying there, but but there's so much ancient knowledge that we've lost. And something happened, they got wiped, and now we're being rebuilding. But as you said, we're building 
abstract concepts with nothing is connected. You know, the only way to explain everything is to break it into individual parts and never look at the whole as how they all work together. It's, oh, that's broken. We'll we'll mend that. And then somehow, miraculously, that's meant to mend the whole thing. Of course, it doesn't work. But yeah, it's a really interesting thing. I think people that work with horses have this great opportunity to expand and experiment with their personal awareness. I find that the less I think around a horse, the clearer the information I receive. And that way, the horse has actually got the ability to share information. Because the Satori Institute in California with the Math Heart Institute, I think it was in 2008, did research. And it was proven that horses send out telepathic wavelengths that are received in the human right brain so that horses are able to influence ideas that come into who we are, into our processor, and direct us to concepts or resources that that horse is very aware that it needs. That is a published paper. You can look it up at the Heart Math Institute online. Google it. So that says that there's a measurable uh, energy transmission. And it doesn't come to the left brain because there's no bridge from the left brain to the heart. It will come into the right brain because the right brain is connected to the heart and it also bridges to the left brain. So we are led by our horses If we are not cluttering with what if, fear, thought, oh, I need to go over here. Oh, gosh, I did something wrong. If we just sit and just allow nature to make noises and whatever comes to you, write it down. Who knows? You might actually have a great concept given to you. We've got our herd of horses. We got a piece of property on our south over here that uh, has a rise that goes over. The horses be over on the other side of the rise. You just walk into the pasture and just stand there. All of a sudden, they've sent one up over the hill. Go take a look and see who, see who it is that walked in the field. <laughs> you know, you're 20 acres away from each other, and all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, there's a human here. Next thing you know, here comes the rest of the herd, and they come right up on you. It's like, okay, what do you want? It's like, how did you even know I was here? That's how far out their signal is. Yeah. yeah. That, and they let you know when it's going to rain 30 minutes before the storm ever yes. gets to the property. They show up. We've got a spot. We know when it's going to be a thunderstorm. They all show up. It's wide open field, and they park themselves right here across the from our living room window. They park themselves out in the field, and you can sit here, and when it's raining, you can tell what wind speed is and what direction it's coming from because the way they are. It's just funny. They know way more than we ever will. Mm. We're the smart ones. I love that when you said about they send us messages so they can get what they need. Yeah. We enjoy our hobby. We enjoy our horses. We rode like gangbusters when yeah. we were younger. We both have ridden the same horse. My quarter horse got him. Years ago, 
I wrote him. He threw me. I hit the ground, got up, shook my head. She was going, you know what happened? This, this, and this. I said, that's great. Fine and dandy. Because, you know, oh, I said, God. it was so quick. Never knew it was happened. This horse was like, and it was over with. I got up and I said, you know what? I've been in martial arts contests and a whole bit. I said, I've never had my bell rang like that. I probably had like a mild concussion. We are fine. What was it, about five or six days later, you got on that horse? Mm-hmm. She gets on the horse. I'm bush hogging. Turn around, looking back, make sure she's okay. Yep. She gets on him. She's riding him in a round pin. So now look back one go around. I got a horse standing at one side of the round pin, empty saddle. I got a wife on the ground. By the time I got back over, I walked up, and the horse is going, oh, hell, oh, hell, I really screwed up. And I, you're okay, buddy. And I looked at her, and I went, Pat? She goes, yeah. And I went, you want help getting up off the ground? She goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> I go, you're on the ground. She goes, <laughs> I am. I went, yeah. She goes, yeah, okay. So I sat her up a little bit. She looked, and I go, you okay? Yeah. She said, okay. I go, just sit here for a minute. I'm going to go take this horse. So I walked over, and I grabbed him, started walking across the ramp. Hey, yeah. I'm fixing to ride that horse. And I said, Pat, this horse bucked you off. When that happened, I don't know. But So we had this little conversation going on today. This horse is the reason why the two of us look at a horse and go, nope, not getting on that one. (laughs) (laughs) We train horses and we do a lot more behavioral. And it's like once we find out exactly what the problem is, Pat. Tell him a bit. That was the one that dumped it. Well, he dumped us, but he had a a separated shoulder. Shoulder. And this was before we were as advanced as we are now. Like, Tingu is like 32 years old. (laughs) Okay. But he came from Ramsar, North Carolina? North Carolina. I'm from Canada. Guess the Carolinas makes sense. I I don't know where I am in the United States. Anyway, (laughs) uh, (laughs) we were invited up there to work with this horse because they couldn't even get a handle on him. And his halter, he was a young horse, and his halter was growing into his nose. And they couldn't catch him, and they couldn't handle him. And just to let you know how in tune horses are, (laughs) okay, we have all these people who've been trying to rope this horse and run him around the round pen and tire him out and trying to catch him with food. And he's like, not happening because you tripped me and you dislocated my shoulder and I don't trust you. And we didn't know that at the time. So he goes in to the round pen with a young stallion who is very defiant. And I sat on the edge of the round pen and I helped read the horse. And Frank went in and worked with the horse. Now, the trick is, is not to have any anxiety, any fear, to ground and not to be human, to be invisible. And it took, what, 35 minutes? About 35 minutes. And the next thing you know, this horse comes in and is with Frank. And Frank is still not reaching to touch him. And the horse now wants to be touched. So what does this horse do? He puts his forehead on Frank's chest and touches him and walks around Frank 
keeping his forehead in contact with Frank's body. That is unheard of. That was a horse who said, oh my God, you see me. I trust you. Can I, I hurt. Can you fix my head? And so Frank was able to strip the halter and put a brand new halter on a horse. And then three weeks later, we're going back up there because they're going, Frank, you need to come up here and get your damn horse. (laughs) And so we had to make another 10-hour drive back up to go get a horse that came home with us. And I'm not lying, a horse that's never been on a horse trader. We opened up the horse trader that morning, and I'm not lying. Bam, right in the horse trader said the thing. They said, holy cow, I guess he wanted to go. Heading home. He rode home for six hours in the horse trailer. We started the Bounce Horse Project with horses like that. We had 21 donated horses. They were either unrideable, really broke, like broke to the point where they had negative prognosis from veterinary universities. We also had three horses that came in under euthanization order under public safety as dangerous horses. These horses came from a different state and stayed with us. All of these horses either were aggressive terrified, lame, or having absolutely zero chance of ever having a positive life. All of these horses, the lame horses, all of them became sound. All of these horses shifted behavior from undesirable to, wow, can we touch you? We've got two or three. You can't put them out in a herd of horses. Can't put them out with a group. They'll kill another horse. They'll kill another horse. I want to tell you something. We've got a herd of horses that... You stick them out in the field together, there's not a problem. We got horses clients have brought in, and they'll be screaming, whinnying when they get off the trailer looking for friends and all. We got a herd right across. They just lift their heads, look, and they go, rookie, go back <laughs> eating kind of deal. <laughs> the bad part is after our clients have left their horse for a week or two, when they come to pick up their horses, their horses are going, I am not leaving here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horses that are listed yeah. getting in and out of track. Oh, nope, not leaving this place. Bye. We're we cool. Need to, yeah, this- we need to get you guys over to the UK. Wouldn't that be cool if we could all meet up one day? Here's the deal. Now, I come to the UK. There's two things. One will be to see you guys. That's going to be the top <laughs> priority. Correct yeah. answer, Frank. Correct answer. I'm doing it right. Yeah, okay. And then the other one is, is I want to go to the Isle of Man. I want to go do the. I've oh, got yeah. a friend over there. Yeah. Oh, you've come to the right place. And then I want to go north to Inverness. I got cousins and family that live towards oh, there. Oh, a beautiful place to go. Distant. I haven't, I haven't seen in quite numerous years, but yeah. We'll just see how it unwinds. Exactly. Okay, so that's that's going to be the intention. Kathy, do you want to say anything else? Do you want to share? Well, I think we've covered it. Covered. <laughs> quite a few areas it's been wonderful um no i'm just that's what i'm all about is intention and energy and connection so everything we've been talking about here is is brilliant i'm going to tell you if you guys come to see us come yeah. stay here and everything we have marvelous weather in the fall and usually it's in the winter so when is that don't then? come see us in the summer it's a lovely 85 degrees Fahrenheit outside, but it already feels like it's getting close to 100 because of the humidity. The humidity, we, yeah. You don't take a bath in the morning to go do and go outside and do chores yeah. and come back in because you'll be taking another bath. It's, it, it, yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us, Frank. <laughs> hey, underneath all these clothes, we're all naked. Anyway. 
Oh, oh my goodness. It was a joy. And it's always a pleasure. And what Kathy brings to people is really important. If you don't have access to us, use Kathy because she's really opens the door. And then Ronnie, Ronnie actually hit me in our first interview and she talked about the crescent of horses that stand around me. And she, that reading was a hundred percent right on. Oh, so as a group, you're looking at some pretty amazing people and we all come with different gifts, I guess you could yeah. say. And when we put them together, it's dynamite. So I hope that everybody enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> I think it's delightful. So who else? this is a question for anybody watching this. Why don't you guys come out and let Ronnie interview you or make contact with Kathy or Pat. I mean, I'm goofier than hell and I'm on the damn telephone. This thing, whatever this technology stuff is. It's a computer, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I came kicking and screaming in the 21st century. She'll tell you. I'm the kind of guy that still likes 1970 cars and the whole bit. And There's nothing and more of that. Yeah. I've really enjoyed tonight and it's been lovely having you on, Frank. It's, yeah, make me laugh and make me smile. Really interesting. Well, I find it interesting. And whoever's attracted or drawn to them are the right people, the ones that want to find a spark within themselves. And that's what it's about. It's about sharing, sharing viewpoints. And you don't always have to agree. And it's not going to be exactly right because it's your individual learning at your stage, your growth. And that's okay because that's what life is all about. But there's a, a, a definite coming together of, of minds and wanting to see changes. But for humans as well, because at the end of the day, what, what you're doing for animals, we need it. We need it big time because, like you said, we need to be there to help them to facilitate what they need. They know what they need, but they need us to get it for them or to access it if that's the right word but thank you so so much and we need them yeah we do definitely definitely thank you so much for spending the time with me tonight and it's worked out okay internet a few glitches but that's fine from welsh wales yeah (laughs) right guys so don't disappear i'm going to just take you out and say goodbye to everybody everybody (laughs) we'll just have a quick chat before you go if that's okay (laughs) <laughs> okay say bye to everybody bye bye, everybody. <laughs> bye John bye <laughs> oh dear me you know my cheeks hurt from laughing so much and it's so nice to have Kathy and Pat and Frank on together synchronicities are amazing absolutely amazing so thank you very much and if you need to contact or ask them any questions they'll be more than happy to reply so please do so I really appreciate if you'd share because it's about getting information out. What you do with it is entirely up to you. This is not about pushing my views or anybody else's views. It's just opening a doorway and you can make your own choices. And your animals and your friends and yourself will thank you because it starts with you. Thank you again, whoever you are, wherever you are in the world. Take care and a big hug from from me. Take care for now. And thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Ronnie King at Equine Voices. Thank you for listening and speak to you soon.